All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. Today we have with us Dr. Desmond Sutton, who is a first-year maternal fetal medicine fellow at Columbia. And uh, welcome on the podcast, Desmond. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm so proud of you guys. This thing is amazing. Des, it's awesome to have you here on the show. I just wanted to start off and ask, you know, we're here at SMFM. What are you most excited for about the meeting? The postgrad courses this year, I think, are some of the best they've ever been. Um, at least the critical care one that I went to today was amazing. I would love to be here for the plenaries because they are also very exciting and inspiring at the same time. However, I have to leave to fulfill my clinical duties. So that would be my most exciting part. But unfortunately, this year is just the postgrad courses. Which one did you go to, Des? So I went to the critical care one, um, which they went over a bunch of different topics from like maternal congenital heart disease to obstetrical anesthesia complications. They did a whole neurology one, hypertension one. Um, yeah, it's been great. They've all like very high yields, very informative. What's the biggest takeaway that you got from the postgrad course? Uh, there were, for the hypertension one, surprisingly, that was given by Dr. Leslie Morose, who's one of my attendings at Columbia, who did an extra year of um, ICU fellowship after she did her maternal fetal medicine fellowship at Columbia. Uh, she went over a bunch of blood pressure medications that I never really thought of since med school, like nicardipine and esmolol drips and their indications and special hypertension pregnancy, pregnant patients that you'd be on the lookout for, like patients with aortic dissections, FAOs and stuff like that. It's pretty awesome. Does, you know, um, something that I think all of our listeners are interested in is kind of hearing about where other people have come from. So like what brought you to OBGYN and what ultimately brought you to MFM? Yeah, um, it's an interesting interesting story. I did my, I went into my OBGYN clerkship as a third year medical student without any like really preconceived notions of what to expect. I wouldn't say I like knocked out OBGYN, but it definitely wasn't anywhere on my list. I don't even think I really understood what it was. Um, and did my first week on nights on labor delivery at Einstein Hospital and loved it. Loved working with the patients and their families. Loved having the whole two patients in one. Um, and then after that, needed to find my birth certificate for some reason. And on my birth certificate, it actually told me that I was born at the same hospital on the same floor that I was doing my first OBGYN rotation on, which felt like very serendipitous and like the universe was trying to send me a message. And then the following week, I was supposed to go to an outpatient clinic and mistakenly went to the wrong clinic and ended up in MFM clinic. And within like two weeks, my entire trajectory in medicine changed. That's pretty awesome. Um, does like what are what are you currently working on? Like what are you excited about in terms of MFM? Yeah, uh, currently I'm really excited about I, one of my I have multiple different interests. One of them is hypertension, specifically how the new hypertension guidelines, not in pregnancy, but outside of pregnancy with a new classification of hypertension being like the over 130, over 90, yeah. how that might affect a pregnant population. So I'm trying to do something prospective where we could potentially follow a group of patients who have this new criteria for stage one hypertension and see what happens to them. There was recently a secondary analysis that was done out of Pittsburgh from, I think it was the BEAM study. I can't remember which MFMU study it was, but it basically looked at patients um, who had the new criteria for stage one hypertension and found that they were at increased risk for hypertensive disorders in pregnancy. Um, but that was from like a patient cohort that was like in the 90s. So I'm, I'm interested to see, maybe do something retrospective on our current population, but also try to do something prospective where we follow these patients to get a little bit more information. Yeah. There's also um, 
a lot of work being done at Columbia for like precision medicine and doing like all that like genetic stuff and looking at people's response to certain blood pressure medications and stuff like that. And I thought it would be cool to try to do something prospective, not only with just like patient data, but maybe get some like biological data as well. But it's all still very much in the works because I'm like less than six months into fellowship. So <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. Got it. How has the adjustment been from uh, residency to fellowship? It's been amazing. I love being a fellow. It's like the, it's everything I thought it was going to be and a little bit more. It's, um, you have definitely a lot more time to think about like projects you want to do. You're in this weird role where you're not, you're no longer a chief resident, but you're still not quite an attending yet. Um, but you definitely get some decision power, I guess to say. I enjoy, I really, I still recommend anyone, especially for obstetrics, going and practicing somewhere else than where you train for residency, because I think you learn a whole bunch of new techniques and managing management styles, but you also have a lot to bring to a new residency. So that's, that's the one thing I was surprised about, about how appreciative people are to receive new ways of doing things and hearing about other people's experiences outside of their own institution. Um, Des, do you have any advice that you want to give to people who are coming up after you, either to medical students who are thinking about going into OBGYN or residents who are thinking about going into MFM? Like, what do you think that you did that made you successful? Or was there anything that you felt like was maybe something that you did that you wouldn't recommend that other people do? Well, that's a good question. I think the thing that I thought was a really good piece of advice was, I mean, everyone tries to distinguish themselves when it comes to applications. Like, you try to have the numbers, but um, if there's a lot of people with great numbers out there, and it's really your the experiences you have outside of your coursework that can really separate you or even your clinical work. One of them can be research. My advice, if you're going to do any kind of research project, um, it's great to like jump on something that's already going or try to finish something that was an idea of your mentor. But if you can find something that really inspires you and that you're very a topic you're very interested in, then it stops. It starts to feel less like work and more like fun that you're doing on the side. So I would try to find a research idea that you find interesting, not just one that like was handed to you and that you think is kind of boring, because ultimately it's going to reflect in the, the quality of the work that you present. Um, and also just like finding other interests out that are within obstetrics that might not be research. So I know one of my interests was advocacy, and I've been trying to find positions either within like the... AMA or ACOG or SMFM that might be might give me more experience with like having discussions with politicians. So I think you guys were with, with us when we went to Capitol Hill uh, in Providence, Rhode Island. Maybe mm. you weren't there. I don't think I was there, we but were, yeah, definitely was, a large group went with you guys. Yeah, we legislated on a new bill because short background, it used to be in Providence, in Rhode Island, that if you were pregnant under the age of 18, you weren't an adult yet and you couldn't consent for your own procedures and you guys remember us having patients coming in and they couldn't get epidurals because their mothers weren't there but as soon as they had a baby they were an emancipated minor laws that made no sense that we were able to go to the hill and like talk to politicians for that really that was a big interest of mine and it's something that was easy for me to talk about on my interview trail and something that i want to continue to gain more experience in does what do you do outside of work what keeps you grounded um, that's a good question. I so I'm back in New York City, which is where all of my family is, and my twin brother, hi Darian. Um, and just spending time with them is the biggest thing, to tell you the truth. Because in when I was in residency, I didn't get a lot of time to spend with my family. So now I'm catching up. Do you have other questions, Nick? At all? Maybe I should ask the question. You can ask some questions, Desmond. Oh, what's been the biggest obstacle creating this this podcast? 
you guys have done such a great job. I want to hear about your struggles. Oh, well, thank struggles. you. What struggles have we had, Nick? This struggles is kind of weird. Usually we ask the questions. <laughs> Turned around this way is different. No, I think, um, I think one of the biggest challenges for us starting out especially was trying to figure out the time aspect. You know, there's certainly a lot of work that we have to do in terms of research, scripting an episode, and then uh, Faye gets all the credit for the post-production and making it sound as professional as we feel like it sounds. Um, you know, and I, I think that we're also, we've also been like really pleasantly surprised at the reception that we've gotten. That's not necessarily a challenge, but um, it kind of keeps the pressure on us to keep putting out a good quality product. Every Definitely. Um, and one challenge I think that we're still dealing with, because this is something that I'm really interested in, is actually my research that I'm presenting here at SMFM is how does this type of learning, like podcast learning, affect residents and medical students? So one thing that I think we're still trying to figure out is how do we study this and like how do we, you know, say, listen to this podcast and tell us what you think and does this make your CREOG scores actually go up? Um, so if you're listening, you have some suggestions. We'd be, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, I'm sure they'll give you some great pre and post tests you can uh employ here there you go <laughs> i mean you i mean we have a large residency at brown you many subjects that you can experiment on all you residents out there listen up <laughs> consent form may be headed your way yeah <laughs> right exactly all right does thank you so much for being on our podcast this is excellent to reconnect with you if you guys didn't know des was our chief resident just last year when we were second years um, no i'm so proud my babies have grown up they're doing bigger things than i ever even imagined look at these they have professional cards everyone that you can't see but i'm <laughs> looking at right now so thank you very much des uh, once again i'm Faye, and i'm nick and this is kriogs over coffee If you like our podcast, go ahead and go on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, any other podcatcher that you may have, and go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online at www.kriogsovercoffee.com, or you can catch us on social media on Facebook at Kriogs Over Coffee, on Twitter at Kriogs Over Coffee, number one. And additionally, you can sponsor us on Patreon if you're not a sponsor already at www.patreon.com slash Coffee. And if you want to hear about a specific topic on our podcast, if you have any corrections for us, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at kriogsovercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>